Welcome to the Sales Hacks Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association. In the second of a two-part interview with Shane Gibson, we'll continue to look at social media and key strategies for growing qualified leads. Shane Gibson, welcome to the Sales Hacks Show. Hey, thanks very much for having me on the show. So what would you say to a salesperson who they adhere to uh, the belief that they can automate all of this? They can they can uh, work with their marketing team, pre-schedule all of their messages going through Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever that might be, and, and, and just leave it to pump out. So they've got uh, they've got one out of three of the of the uh, pieces of thought leadership. So at this point. They're using the if if we build it, they will come or if they post it, they will come strategy, which is I'm going to let's assume I'm going to assume they're actually um, sharing really good content. Okay, let's give them that benefit of the doubt. But without actually community, which is them extending their connections and growing their network and also contributing and giving back and engaging and without conversation, that content is relatively meaningless. In fact, without engagement, interaction, and community, um, you know whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn, it's not going to trigger the the algorithm to push that into the feed and have hundreds or thousands of people see it. So it's really important that you can't just post content and walk away. There's a proactive interaction and engagement aspect that needs to happen in order for social to really work. Because what are we trying to do? We're trying to identify stakeholders. We're trying to find people who are interested in what we sell or what we offer. Uh, or who could refer people to us. And so if we're just posting content and walking away, and we don't make notice of who has liked the update or who commented or who shared with it and then had conversation with them in real time, we're actually missing the sales opportunity. So um, it's, and I think this is really interesting, is that you know Twitter and Facebook are a lot more like a telephone or a cell phone um, than a megaphone or a billboard because it's a two-way communications tool. That's how rapport is built. And then you can move them into a deeper conversation, whether it's a Skype video call or it's a phone call or it's meeting them somewhere. So uh, there's nothing wrong with posting content and you can somewhat automate the sharing of key pieces of content as long as it's shared effectively for each platform. Like you can use a lot more text, obviously, in a LinkedIn update compared to um, a Twitter update compared to a Facebook update. And actually the amount of text that's shown in the preview in a LinkedIn update is much less than, for instance, a Facebook one. So you've got to think of all these things when you write your content. So it has to be a, posted appropriately for that network as well. So if I had to choose between automating and not automating, if you like, say, if I can't automate my posts, I just can't do this, then I would say, well, then automate your posts. But the reality is it's much better if you don't. That's It's going to be more effective. And also... Facebook's algorithm detects whether you've used a third-party tool to automate and post content or if you've done it yourself. And it puts a preference towards, towards organically posted content. So there's a few things to think about. My Again, I go back to you can do a lot of damage, uh, you know, in two 20-minute blocks per day, um, you know, doing it the old-fashioned way, hand-posting the content and taking care, and you'll get a lot more out of it than you would if you're just posting in an automated fashion. So there are no shortcuts, people, not if you want to do it correctly. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's always a few cool things to automate. But but what's interesting is that, like, I got myself in a bit of uh, a, a Twitter purgatory for a couple months. And I actually had to write them an email and go back and forth. And finally, I noticed my my updates were showing up. But 
um, I was using if this, then that to, uh, which is like an automated tool where I wrote a little applet that when someone tweeted with the, the with the keyword like social media or, or social selling or B2B selling, it automatically put them on a list. And I thought this is rather clever because then people would think, oh, this guy's noticed me. He's put me on a list. Um, and then I would often go through the list and I would engage those people that I thought would be relevant to talk to directly. But the challenge was, is that automation, Twitter picked up on it and a lot of my updates stopped showing up in search. And so I had to do some digging and kind of apologize and promise that I wouldn't over opt- over automate. And so a lot of these tools like LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook are actually also filtering out third-party posting and automated posting to make search results more relevant. And so it's a, it's a risk area. We want visibility and engagement, and we're really we're kidding ourselves on the automation in most cases with social media. That, that's a great example of, uh, of uh, when, when, when things can happen and you've got to jump on and uh, try to uh, rejig your, your sales process. Do you have any other examples that you can share with our audience before we wrap up this particular interview? So if I'm going to Toronto to visit you, Bill, in the next couple months, which I'm hoping I'm going to be able to do, and I decide that I want to meet VPs of sales in Toronto to talk to them about what I can do to help their sales organizations grow their sales, what I can do is I can search on LinkedIn for second degree connections with the title VP of sales in Toronto. And it'll pop up everyone in Toronto who's a VP of sales that I have a mutual connection with. Then I can, instead of just pitching the guy, I can reach through and let's say you're a mutual connection, Bill. And I go, Bill, I noticed that you're connected with this VP of sales um, for uh, the um, corporate sales for Bell Canada. And you say, absolutely. You say, would you mind while I'm in town, uh, maybe making a quick LinkedIn or email introduction to him? And you'll go, hey, no problem, because we've done business in the past. And it's something that, <clears throat> excuse me, we've done business in the past and it's something that you feel comfortable with. And so what's interesting though, is that when you get a second degree referral versus a direct contact, there's almost always a bit more trust going back to creating that environment where an act of faith can take place. If a trusted connection of mine on LinkedIn has said, Hey, you should meet this guy um, while he's in Toronto during that week, then often it's going to improve our chances. And so I'll do the same with Facebook. I'll actually search, for instance, in Facebook graph search, my friends, friends who work at Bell Canada, and I'll get a list of all the people who work at Bell Canada. And if there's relevant people in Toronto, I may make the ask for the introduction. So think about working social proximity, because that's a really key piece that I think a lot of people just don't do well. They're out there cold prospecting with LinkedIn when they've already got a thousand LinkedIn connections who, you know, who equates to a million second degree connections or something crazy like that. And they're not asking these people for referrals and introductions. Instead, they're going in cold and their closing ratio or their contact to conversion ratio is so much lower. So that would be my thought is don't make the mistake of just going cold. It's social, as in social network, as in social connection. Work your social introductions. So, um, yeah, so that would be probably, that's probably you know, one of my last tips I would give you uh, on that. Um, any other thoughts? Uh, no, I, I think I've got a pretty good roadmap, as do the listeners, to get out there and be social. Don't be so cold. Don't rely exclusively on automated technologies and so on and so forth. So, um Can I finish with this one piece? And this is something that when Steve Jagger and I wrote Sociable, and this is years ago, we we wrote this book on social media for salespeople and entrepreneurs at the beginning of time for social media. So back in 2009, which is like an eon ago now. And 
But the term sociable for us referred to using the internet to get off the internet. So one of your quickest returns on investment is you can take that LinkedIn connection and you can go grab them for lunch. You can get them on the phone and have a deeper conversation. And once you've had a more personal, intimate interaction with somebody, all of your content means more to them on the internet. And it becomes um, really personal. And so, and it's one of the quickest ways to figure out if it's a lead or not is when you actually talk to somebody. So just make sure it's not a video game where you're just talking to a bunch of people on LinkedIn and sending them automated messages. That's picking up the phone or booking that in-person appointment can make that deal real fast. And those sorts of skills uh, are vital, of course, to the the changing sales workforce and uh, all of the impact that AI has, which is a different show that you'll be doing with my colleague, uh, Kristen Harcourt. But that's a that's a great way to round things up for today. So Shane Gibson, thank you very much for being the guest on the Sales Hacks show. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Sales Hacks show. Learn more about the training and benefits from the Canadian Professional Sales Association at cpsa.com.